Hello everyone and welcome to the home birth experience. I'm here again with John to record part three of our story and this part we are going to finally get into the birth which I know you all have been waiting for. John are you ready? Oh you betcha. <laughs> so we were just talking about um, me being 37 weeks pregnant and I got strep throat, went on antibiotics, got better from that, was a little bit freaked out about having taken antibiotics and worrying about my vaginal flora and was it going to be affected and Charles not get, um, the flora that he needed coming through the birth canal. So I kind of had this little episode right before, um, labor of, of just feeling kind of panicked about things and not um, as peaceful as I wanted it to be. So, cause you wanted to really have the home birth experience. You wanted to go into labor naturally and you wanted to let things happen the way they're supposed to nice and slow and yeah, just like, frustrated. I didn't want to take castor oil like I did. Like I tell everyone not to, <laughs> I should have taken my own advice. <laughs> but anyway, so like we were mentioning on the last episode, I was having contractions at night but just like I tell all my clients, you can have contractions for weeks leading up to labor. So I knew that this was helpful. It was my body preparing, but I knew it wasn't labor. We were hopeful though. We were. We were hopeful that these contractions were really productive and actually that maybe, just maybe, you'd go into natural labor on your own. But... We were hopeful for that, number one. And the number two, I was hopeful that they would at least be productive. So when if I had to get induced, I would at least be like two centimeters or something from the beginning. So. And the crazy part is that Julia, being the strong worth, excuse me, strong work ethic person that she is, leading up to this, leading up to like your 37 weeks and in your 37th week or just even in the beginning of the 38th week, didn't you have a client? I had a client going to labor. So like I said in the last episode, Jody came alongside and helped me with my clients because I didn't realize with the preeclampsia there was going to be good days and bad days. And if I'd have a blood pressure day that was really high, I really felt like I couldn't do much. Like I would get to the top of the steps and I'd like start seeing black spots. It was, it was really uncomfortable. And I just, I didn't have headaches. I didn't have swelling. I didn't even have protein in my ear. And like, I didn't have any other symptom besides the high blood pressure, but I could feel the high blood pressure in my body. Mm. And I had to be very conscious of what I was eating and eating protein every two hours. And um, so anyway, I there were some births. I never want to miss a birth, but there were some births that I missed that Jody did because I was sick with preeclampsia. But then at the very end, I I was really sad that I missed some of those births. And at the very end, I had a client go into labor and Jody and I talked and I said, okay, I think at that, I took my blood pressure that day and it was like 
falsely, I think 125 over 80 something. My blood pressure had been in the 140s over 90s, 150s over 100s. And for those of you who don't know, like the average blood pressure is 120 over 60. It's like the median blood pressure. So I'm riding pretty high. And this day it was kind of low and she's like, I think it would be good for you. You know, like you missed the last couple of births. You're really upset about that. I think this is going to be a good birth. I think you should come. And I was still really hesitant. So I said, why don't you go first? Like go first and just see what the situation is because I'm still, I don't know if my body can do it. I don't want to force it. You know, I'm, you know, I'm like huge at this point. So she gets there and she's like, Julia, you should come. Like, she's progressing beautifully. This is amazing. I think it's going to be a really good birth. You should come. So I got there. Jody's already set up. And it was about an hour drive. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful birth. And I was so glad that I went because it gave me hope again for my own birth. And I... I didn't stay for very long. Of course, after the birth, I started, I was there for maybe two hours, I think. And I just, I was like, I'm not feeling well again and I'm feeling exhausted and I need to go. So I think that was what, on a Sunday or Monday, I believe. That sounds about right. Yeah. So I did do that. <laughs> so I helped somebody birth their baby. Ended At up 38 being, weeks. It ended up being three days before I birthed my own baby. Hmm. So that was kind of cool. Um, but I remember, so we delivered on Thursday, so it must've been Monday. I well, guess. Yeah. But also I think you had mentioned at one point that kind of getting around other pregnant ladies helps your body to be around those hormones to progress your labor to oh, where you're yeah definitely can stimulate like the production of oxytocin yeah for sure so um, that was probably helpful. but i don't know yeah maybe it was helpful i don't remember like being there and having contractions maybe i was but i, don't I feel remember. like that's when they picked up that's kind of right around the time that i was being a stooge and going ah, oh, hey. get the hot water <laughs> Um, so, so that happened. So, but that Sunday I noticed I felt worse. And so I took my blood pressure and it was one fifties over the one hundreds. And I had talked to my doctor and I said, all right, I need to know what the threshold is because I feel like I'm so belligerent and wanting my home birth that I'm just going to keep going and going I need a physical cutoff. Like, I need you to give me a number. And he said, once we're in the 150s over 100s, we're really, like, not safe anymore. Mm -hmm. And we need to really think about doing something. So that Sunday, I was really bummed out. I was like, man, why is it 150 over 100? Maybe I can take me some more magnesium. Maybe it'll be fine. It'll come back down. I'll take some more medicine. I, I haven't maxed out on the dose, you know, because it was like... I think the max dose was like 100 milligrams three times a day or whatever it was. I was like 20 milligrams less than what the max dose was. 
And I thought, could I at least like maybe try more medicine? Yeah, because you were concerned not only about not wanting to have to go to the hospital, but about allowing the most cooking for the baby in the oven. Yeah, I didn't want the baby to come before the baby was ready. And I knew my body was preparing because of those contractions. But I also I also didn't want to force him to come out because I, myself, I was induced. My mom got induced when I was, um, when she was pregnant with me. And I don't know, I feel like it affected my personality because I'm very much like, do not push me. Do not tell me what to do. Do not push me. Hmm. And I was forced out of the womb in like four hours. Her labor was, I don't know, but I feel like you hear those stories and I'm like, Oh, maybe that's part of my personality. Who knows? But anyway, I didn't want Charles to be born early, but even, you know, we were technically full term. So lungs are developed and all that good stuff. So, um, so I contact Dr. Stetzer, I monitor my blood pressure, and then I got a couple readings that were 160s over the 110s. And that was a little bit nerve-wracking. and I, A bit high. Yeah, it was a little bit high. and I, Like, really high. <laughs> <laughs> really high. And I didn't really realize how bad I felt, you guys, until after the fact. Like, during this, as I'm living this, I didn't think that I felt as bad as I did until after the fact and my blood pressure came back down and I was like, wow, I felt really, really bad. Like doing anything was such an like strain on my body. And so Dr. Stetzer said to you verbatim, as soon as you'll let me, you should come in. Yeah. So I reported to him, I sent him a picture of my blood pressure reading and like the last several readings. Mm -hmm. And he said what John had, he said, whenever you'll let me do something. You should come in. Yeah. You should come in. I'd like, to, I'd like to do something. And so it was about this time also that I took off work. Right. So I think I called you home on Tuesday afternoon because I just, I felt really bad and I didn't, the blood pressures were so high and I just thought this is, I just want you home. I just don't know what to do. And so you came home in the middle of the day and Dr. Stetzer said he was going to call me that evening because I wanted to talk through some things with him because I was really nervous about going in for an induction because as I'm sure a lot of you listeners know, the cascade of interventions can lead down a road that none of us want. And I didn't want to end up with a C-section. I didn't, I just, I didn't want the interventions, but I knew at this point it was what was safest for me for and you. the baby. Yeah. So he called us at whatever time that evening when he got off work and he said, you know, Julia, like I respect your, your decision to wait, but I really think if you'll let me induce you, it's time. I really think that you should come in. Um, you know, I was ready to induce you at 36 weeks and I've just been letting you call the shots. And I said, okay, I'll come in then. What, 
what's the schedule look like? It's time to get this party started. Yep. Time to get the party started. So this was a Tuesday evening. We were chatting and I went through a lot of questions with him. You know, is there water therapy? Is there this? Can I eat? Can I do, you know, all the different questions that I had for him. And he was very thorough in answering all my questions. And we agreed to go in Wednesday evening, so the following night, around 6.37 p.m. And he'd mentioned to me in this conversation that when I went to the unit that they were going to want to start magnesium. And he's like, I don't necessarily like that because it might make you feel crummy, but they're going to want to do it. But I think what we should do instead, let's not do magnesium. Let's start you on a Foley catheter. Um, which for those of you who aren't familiar with that, it's basically a catheter that they, once they insert the tube, it just looks like a, a straight tube. Once they insert the, the tube through the cervix, basically into the uterus, they inflate a balloon on this tube and it mimics the baby's head because my baby was floating up high at this point. So he Very was not high. touching my cervix so the balloon sits on the cervix to act as the head as that dilating force and the balloon only gets so big um and then once the cervix opens around it it falls out and which leaves you about between four and five centimeters as 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 far as that method of dilation can get you so he said you know, let's start that and then let's gently start Pitocin and we'll see how it progresses from there. So For those of you who do not know, Pitocin, well, I don't really know that much either, but it's, it's a <laughs> drug that gets the party started. I didn't know what it was. I was like, what are you taking? And so anyway, that's, that's the go juice. Yeah, the, the go juice. <laughs> So ox or Pitocin is artificial oxytocin and oxytocin is what stimulates the uterine it's contraction. Yeah, got it. <laughs> Good job, John. It's no uh, be here. <laughs> so okay, so I'm fine with that plan. And so well, I say I'm fine. I really wasn't fine. I was really pretty disappointed about it. So, yeah. but on the way in, we knew that we were going. It was going to be a long process. So we made a point to stop at the store. Yeah, we went to the store. So, so before I really, really surrendered to this induction, I called Doctor Stuart Fishbein out in California, and consulted with him. And I was like, Hey, Stu. If anybody will tell me it's safe to keep waiting this out and we have a home birth, it'll be you. Like, am I good? Can I keep going? He's like, no, no. It's, it, this is a clear indication you need to go in. This is you, outside of normal. You, if, if you were your patient, you'd be transferred yeah. by now. Yep. And I also called another midwife that was a mentor in my apprenticeship and asked her and she agreed and she said... I'm also kind of worried you might develop postpartum preeclampsia or yeah, postpartum preeclampsia. So, um, that was, I was like, okay, fine. Everybody who would push the limits is telling me I've pushed the limit. It's time. So I had a lot of contractions that night. Yeah. A lot. A lot so of you'd contractions. Started to 
to relax. I'm and here. I was so excited. I was like, yes. All right. My body's going to labor. I'm not going to have to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I really, like in my heart, I knew it wasn't going to continue. And they kind of petered out that night. Yep. And so I did the thing that I tell everyone not to do. And I took castor oil because I thought, well, I'm going to just keep these contractions just going. Just maybe, maybe, just maybe. Right. And I thought, if nothing else, maybe work. I'll get myself to like two or three centimeters by doing this. So I take the castor oil that morning and we decide to go to the grocery store to get ourselves different beverages and snacks for this labor process. Because one of the, the reason for that not only because we knew it was going to take a while and hospital food usually is horrible, we we wanted to be sure that you had enough energy to make it through the pregnancy because a lot of times, if this is correct, Julia, you have to correct me if I'm wrong here, but a lot of times the reason that a pregnant mother will end up having to go into a C-section is because they have completely worn out and have no calories left because it takes something like 8,000 calories to yeah, go through 7, birth. 000, yeah, yeah. And so it's, that's a huge number. Mm-hmm. And if you aren't, like in the home birthing world, you'll find, I have found anyway, that the midwives and the people they're assisting are always kind of, if you're hungry, eat. If you're not hungry, eat you need to get that protein you need those calories because you have so much work ahead of you and so we wanted to not have nasty hospital food we wanted to have good nutritious holistic you know organic food that we can actually go off of so we stopped at the store and picked up some snacks that we thought were good and some chicken salad and really just hummus and fruit exactly yeah Yeah, you're right. So labor takes a tremendous amount of calories. And I'm sorry to to interject there, too, is that once you get to the hospital, one of the first things also they started talking about was don't eat. (laughs) Exactly. When's the last time you've had any food? Oh, my gosh. So that's that's a weird thing. So your body needs those calories to be able to use during the birthing process, but in the hospital they don't want you to have those that food in your stomach because for whatever reasons they think maybe cause you to vomit or all these things and they don't want to deal with that on top of it that's contamination blah 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 so a lot of times you won't have it and so we wanted it so yeah we we i took the castor oil we went to the grocery store and i started having these ridiculously intense awful contractions that they it wasn't like it would come and go like a wave it would come and it would just stay there and I remember I was like I can't walk so I got one of the scooter carts the electric carts to drive through the grocery store (laughs) I was not a very good driver at all (laughs) I was running into things pregnancy brain and then I was like, oh my gosh, I have to go to the bathroom. And I have to use the bathroom at the grocery store, which I think is the worst. And we're trying to get snacks. And, and then we, John said, you know what? I want to get myself a deli sandwich. 
and they have this deli in the grocery store where you can custom order a sandwich. Well, this lady at the deli counter, I don't know. I felt really bad for her. She was older and I think she was nervous. I don't know what the deal was, but it felt like it took days yep. to make that deli sandwich. And I'm sitting here having contractions like, forget the, forget the sandwich. You know what I'm like? go. <laughs> trying to be pleasant but anyway so we get our snacks we come home we're expected at the hospital at 6 30 and i don't know what took us so long to get packed but you know i packed up my birth affirmation cards and my christmas lights to hang in the room and the essential oils basically my own doula pack you know and um the robe and the outfit I wanted to bring him home in and uh, all sorts of different things that I, you know, didn't think I would ever have to pack up, but I packed it all up and ended up not using it any <laughs> anyway. But it's like going on vacation. You pack six bags. You only use two pairs of clothing the entire time you're there. Exactly. Similar situation. Yep. Uh, so we did all that and we got on the road and we went to the hospital and one of our friends met us outside of the hospital to lend us, what did she lend us? The Docatot and a nursing pillow. That's right. And she didn't even realize we were going in to have the baby. I think she thought we were just going in for a checkup or something. Yeah. And she had said before that she wanted to get that for us. Yeah, and I was like, we'll be in the area. Do you want to just hand it to us? And she was so excited. She's like, oh, my God, I got to see you the day you had your baby. Yeah, that was cute. (laughs) So, okay, so we go in, and they get me registered, the normal process anyone else goes through, and they had reserved really nice. It was like their their best room in the unit, uh, which later I found out that Dr. Stetzer's I think he said two of his three kids were born in and some of the nurses were like, Oh, my kids were born in this room. Um, so that was, that was sweet that he had thought of me in that way and made sure that I had the best accommodations possible. But Dr. Stetzer was not there that evening. He only reported that I was coming in, which is standard. And a resident was, uh, basically in charge of my care at this point. So I had a little miscommunication, confusion when Dr. Stetzer had said, I don't want you to start the magnesium because she was really pushing the magnesium. Um, and, oh, let me back up a second. That morning I had told Dr. Stetzer, I said, I'm really nervous about this induction because I know how much stronger and how much more painful Pitocin contractions can be. And I don't think that I have any choice for pain management because when I was 12, I had scoliosis and I had a spinal fusion. And so there's not really space in my spine to put that epidural. And I faxed him my record from the orthopedic surgeon and which he then shared with anesthesiology that morning. And anesthesiology said, she's cleared. She's fused from, I think I'm fused from like T3 to L4. There's room. We can get it in. No problem. Just to be safe, we brought our records as well. Yep. We brought 
the paper copies of the x-rays and my surgical notes and everything. So I was nervously optimistic. I thought, that's interesting. I can't believe that I'm cleared for an epidural. I really don't think that's going to be true. Um, and at the same time, I thought, okay, like my mom had an induction with me with Pitocin. She did it without drugs. I can do it without drugs, right? I'm just, but I knew it was going to be so much harder because I've heard all the horror stories. Okay, so we go in and we had very long interaction with this resident who was really pushing. Well, she was really concerned about your blood pressure. She was. And, and so your yeah. blood pressures were, were really quite high. By at the least time I got there. By their standards, quite high. In the 160, 100s, 110s, they were quite high, maybe well, even slightly higher than it that. It was. When I got there, the reading was 180 over 122. Oh, that wow. Okay, I can't remember that. But Yeah, so, so they were pretty They nervous. were really concerned in being in training the way they are. The residents? Yeah, yeah. They are, that part of their training says, well, to prevent all these nasty, horrible, horrible things. Right. They treat a thousand people to prevent the one stroke. Yeah. The likelihood of a stroke is one in a thousand. But are you willing to take that risk? So. So I was kind of willing to take the risk. Yeah. So but, I opted for them to give me IV medication to lower my blood pressure. So they gave me, I think, three different types of medication to lower my blood pressure through the IV, and ne none of them worked. Wouldn't bring down my blood pressure. Mm -hmm. So they also, at this point, wanted to put the Foley catheter in to start the dilation process and she wanted to start Pitocin at the same time, which I refused. I said, absolutely not. One thing at a time. One thing at a time. Like, let's just ease our way into this. So, and I kept saying no to the magnesium at this point. And there's, you know, I don't know if any of you have like gotten checked into the hospital, but when you first get checked in, there's all these different people coming in and talking to you and things going on and she puts this fully catheter in and then anesthesia comes in and I'm just... checking your blood pressure again and they're checking your temperature again right. every 15 minutes all these things are happening it's just yeah a lot and so I have this catheter in my cervix and and it produces really strong contractions and I'm standing at the side of the bed swaying my hips working through these contractions and the anesthesiologist comes in to give me that final clearance for the epidural. And he said, can you open your gown? Can I look at your scar? And he took one look at my scar, which goes basically from the base of my neck to right at my butt crack. Yeah, right at your hips, yeah. Yeah, and he took one look at my scar and he goes, I don't need to see anything else. There's nothing I can do for you. And at that point, like my fear Spiked. went through the roof yeah. because I thought I still had this out. Like I didn't have to maybe walk. just maybe you could. Yeah. But. Yeah. I thought I have to walk over these coals of fire now, like so many women that I have helped, but yet I'm going to have this insane amount of Pitocin pulsing through my veins. Like 
what if I can't, what, there's no option for me. Like, and so this was an older man who's been doing this for a long time. He, oh, he's yeah. very obviously educated and well-versed in this. And so when Julia pushed back a little bit and said, are you sure? He gave me a, a quick look like, uh, yeah. But he's like, okay, let's go ahead and get the ultrasound out. Just double check. And got out their mobile ultrasound did a check and sure enough he's like I he's can't like, see anything there's really there's I mean it'd be a waste of an attempt yeah and so he said if you have to have a c-section you're gonna go sleepy sleepy which meant I would go under general anesthesia so that was another terrifying terrifying thing for me because what if something happened and then I'm gonna be under general anesthesia and I don't want our son getting these drugs and I don't want to be under general and like what if I can't get through these hard contractions I have no option like yep. it was terrifying to me to know that there was no option and I it wasn't my body doing it it was drugs doing it so I like felt very out of control meanwhile still this this Foley is giving her these massive contractions. So she's having really intense contractions. There's a lot of things going on in the room. Doctors coming in, checking pulses, checking other things. And then she is told that she's going to have to walk these coals. I can only imagine what was going on inside. Mm -hmm. So the Foley lasted an hour. I went to the bathroom after an hour and it fell out. So I went from... Oh, and I went from nothing basically one if one to four centimeters in an hour and so i was even more irritated that i took the castor oil because i thought oh it'll get me to two or three and it got me to nothing <laughs> so it was a big old waste a cramping bunch of for no reason cramping for no reason right oh gosh so anyone out there just don't bother with the castor oil maybe if i'd made the midwife's brew with that i don't know maybe it would have been better but i didn't so, okay, so the Foley comes out and then, so this is probably like 10 or 11 at night at this point when they yep. finally say, we want to do this bolus of magnesium. Yeah, so they checked you and, and you were about that four, mm -hmm. four and a half, really. Yeah, the half. My yeah. favorite thing, the half. <laughs> and, uh, but your blood pressure was still through the roof. Yep. Still and so... This resident came in and and kind of sat down next to the bed and, and started giving us this you could die talk. Mm -hmm. And really finally kind of pressured us and scared us into, well, I mean, I guess we better do something. So against, against what we had been told ahead of time that things were going to be okay, and that it's one in a thousand or more, one in 10,000, who knows the exact numbers, I don't. You know, chances of you having the high blood pressure from preeclampsia that it could cause seizures and stroke. We were swayed in our judgment and decided to go ahead and, and get the, the magnesium bolus. Mm -hmm. So she tells me they're gonna do a bolus at first, which is basically a large a dose of magnesium over a very short period of time. And then they would put me on a magnesium drip that was a diluted version over a longer period of time, basically until I delivered. 
So she explains that this magnesium bolus kind of makes you feel just a little crummy. A little crummy, she says. And then she also says, well, some people say it makes them feel like they are drunk and that they like it. It's kind of like a fun feeling. And I was like, okay, so I don't want to feel either one of those ways. Hmm. And I'm stuck again. Here I am. So they give me the magnesium bolus and it was within seconds of it going in my veins that I started to feel really hot. Mm -hmm. And so I started feeling really warm and then I just felt worse and worse and worse. And over the 30 minutes that the infusion lasted, I just felt exponentially worse every second. And I felt like I had the worst flu of my entire life. Like I had gotten hit by a Mack truck. Yep. And Headaches, so, the whole nine. And it gave me the worst headache. And that's the thing. Like I didn't really have you headaches yeah, at all. felt absolutely horrible. I mean. It was miserable. I, I thought my head was going to explode. It was such a bad headache. So now here I'm like, okay, great. Now, making you even more scared that maybe, oh my gosh, maybe this was the right thing to do because am I on the verge of having a stroke? Mm -hmm. It was terrifying. Yeah. So I didn't know how to process the fact that I felt absolutely horrible. And all I could think was, and I'm supposed to push out a baby? Like mm -hmm. I'm four centimeters. I haven't even gotten to active labor yet. And... This is how I feel. I mean, I was so defeated and so scared and so frustrated because I have, I think what played to my disadvantage at this part is how many labors I had seen. And I knew what was ahead of me. Mm -hmm. And having seen hundreds of times what was ahead of me and I felt the way that I felt, I thought there was no way I'd be able to do it. Yeah, that's right. There's no way. And so I, I then agreed to have the Pitocin started. And so they start the Pitocin at the lowest dose and they incrementally increase it over periods of time. Every three hours, I think. Every three hours they increase it 15. Well, and I think the, the timing changes too. I think it was like a Slow, longer period of time. And then faster and, and then faster. Like, in hour increments and 30 minute increments, I don't really know how it all worked. Yeah. And at this point now, it's like, okay, well, it's basically midnight. It's not happening tonight. So Try to get we some need to get some rest. Yeah. Of course. Now Julia's head spinning and spiraling around with all these thoughts and feelings and not to mention the physical thoughts and feelings and emotions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Go ahead and take a nap. <laughs> like try, right. try to catch a few winks. So I, right. I, Again, being outside of this, being fairly ignorant to certain things and completely innocent on, on a lot of that, I try to lay down and, and catch a few winks, knowing that she's okay, that nothing's really productive happening, but I'm, at a, I'm a very light sleeper and I'm only literally a few feet away. Mm -hmm. And so Julia gives me permission, yeah, John, I need you to be at top notch when I'm not at top notch. Please sleep. You yep. need the rest. So I did. And I was going to try to rest. You know how easy it is to rest with all these monitors on and in a hospital Beep. bed. <laughs> so he goes to sleep and the doctor comes back in and she was like, oh, you know, I need to do a speculum exam. And I said, no, you don't. And uh, she kind of like 
whispers and I was like, no, I really, I don't need that. I don't need to be checked again. Like I know everything's fine. And she's like, no, I do. I need to check you. And I said, no, I, I don't need you to check me. I'm fine. And so she proceeds to put a glove on and get her sterile lube. And she said, okay, now can you open your legs? I, I need to check. And so after me refusing and saying no four times, I just, I felt like you weren't going to win the battle. I wasn't going to win the battle. She wasn't going to take no for an answer. And so I finally just said yes and spread my legs and let her do an exam. And I can say that that haunted me for months. I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would think I let somebody violate me. And I felt like a rape victim. It was, it was digital well, by, rape. Yeah, by definition it was. And no means no and John was so upset that he was asleep and he because he would have jumped up and said absolutely no she said she no, said no. It, but that's the thing is like that's what was so strange about it to me looking back on it too was that she came in and was what might have been seen as trying to be polite and not wake me turned out to, to feel a lot more like devious trying not to wake me mm -hmm. not to let me have a way to stand up and, and be protect me yeah so that happened and at the time of course you know like there's so much else going on i it was like trying okay, to choose you know, your battles whatever. and such yeah. yeah pick your battles it was just really the after effects that were the worst um so she did that of course she's like oh everything's fine i'm like i told you everything was fine <laughs> So we proceed with the Pitocin increasing and I'm really not feeling anything. Like every once in a while I did kind of doze off and every once in a while I remember kind of having to like, I was kind of startled awake a little bit and like kind of having to breathe a little bit. 15 minutes or whatever it is, you still have to get your vitals checked. How can you really sleep anyway? Right. So... They told me I was having contractions every two to three minutes. I oh yeah, they had these these sensors on her toco belly. Toco monitor, yeah. It's called a toco monitor, mm -hmm. and then so there's like one on your heart and one on one your on belly, so heart, that you yeah. can tell the difference between if the baby's in distress, if their heartbeat's dipping or anything like that, and they can also sense what's happening electrically in your belly to see the contractions. Yeah. So John would watch the monitor, but I wasn't really feeling them, and I knew I wasn't feeling them because my baby was still so high. He hadn't engaged in my pelvis yet. So um, I would every once in a while feel a, like a cramp that was somewhat uncomfortable. But I was starting to get frustrated at this point because all night long I'm supposedly having these contractions. and Making I'm, progress and doing this. Right. And so... Morning starts to come around and my headache is just beyond bad at this point. And so this resident starting to really get concerned is starting bad. to get concerned and she's starting to think that I'm having a stroke. So she asked me if I want a CT scan and I'm like, I, Do sure. you think I need a CT scan? I mean, is it like, that you're bad? It is bad, me. you know? And I mean, you, you were really, I mean, it was, I mean, 
I would say pretty close to from the outside looking in 10 out of 10 pain when you'd have these sharp points of headache and it was always on your head and it was like just really really awful it was the worst part well at this point <laughs> at this point it was the worst part up to this point yeah up to this yeah point sure it was, yeah, it was just continual and so she basically came in and was like well let's get you a ct scan then because we need to make sure that you aren't aren't actually having an active bleed so i go down to radiology and they have to cover my big old belly with lead and I go in the CT machine, I come back up, and they hook me back up to the Pitocin. Still, I'm not really feeling anything. My blood pressure's still high, and I'm just over it. I'm so over it at this point. Yep. And Dr. Stetzer comes in that morning, and he gets word that I had a CT scan. And, and a magnesium. I had magnesium, and he comes flying into the room like a, a mad hornet and is like, what is going on in here? Why did you go to CT scan? What's happening? And I was like, whoa, I that was your resident. And he looked at the nurse and he said, do not let another resident or student in this room ever. It will be me making all the decisions. So he was really mad um, that all of this had gone on. And so... I tell him, I said, I'm really scared. And he said, of all people, Julia, I would not expect you to be scared. Why are you scared? Um, and I said I was scared at the mention of him breaking my water. Because um, he had mentioned, well, well, back up just slightly, he had come in and after being pretty upset that things had progressed the way they had and you had done these things that he said, well, we probably don't need those, but... You know, you had, you, we had made our choices slash been forced into it, and we were, were where we were. But he came in and did his check. And oh. we came in and we did a, a physical exam of the cervix. And since for the past 10 hours, 12 hours, we had zero made progress. legitimately zero progress. We were still at five centimeters. Mm -hmm. And so that was disheartening, that to was say the least. So, yeah, that was... That was great. The last 12 hours that. are completely useless. And that's really what put me over the edge of being done with it. That's when I kind of was like, how is this going to happen? I'm, I feel like absolute trash. I'm done. I don't yep. want to do this. And Dr. Stetzer at that point was like, well, yeah, no, no crap. You feel like trash because you're still on this bolus of, of magnesium that absolutely is making you feel horrible. And, and now, Dr. Stetzer is a little bit bound in his position. He can't just tell you what he's going to do with certain things like that. But he told me, he said, if you tell me to turn it off, I can turn it off. And it do took, you want me to turn yeah, it, it off? It took two or three times of him saying it for us to kind of catch the drift that he was saying, just tell me to turn it off. Right. And so we finally were like, oh, uh, uh, yes, please, please, for the love of goodness, turn it off. Right. And so he did. And he's like, well, let's go ahead and give you some time you for time. that to get out of your system. Mm -hmm. See if your head feels better. So. And at this point he verified, if not May 4, that for sure baby was head down. Baby was head down. Which was. And my CT scan was clear. I was not having a stroke. So now we're kind of just in this resting period. Like, okay, keep the Pitocin going. 
Um, let's see if we can get the headache to go away. Let's eat some more food. Which we're not technically allowed to have there, so we have to like kind of sneak it. <laughs> oh yeah, we were, I was sneaking like everybody. And it was so funny because at some point, the I went to the bathroom and the nurse had just recently asked me, like, when's the last time you had anything to eat? I don't, something came up about food. And I went to the bathroom and I was like, oh, I'm good. I've been eating all day. And I was like, oops. <laughs> yeah. um, so she, that nurse was super cool. And then thank God Dr. Setzer too. He, he was like, when I, you need to pick the next nurse because I want another good nurse coming in. She's like, don't worry, I got it covered. Um, I didn't love the next set of nurses as well, but beggars can't be choosers, whatever, they were fine. Um, so now we're in kind of this lull and we're going through the day and it was... Still no real progress with the contractions. I mean, mm -hmm. we, we felt them, but we... We didn't really feel them too much, but they were showing on the monitor. But yeah, it's because so, Charles was still so high. Yep. Um, so we get to like four or five o'clock ish, I think, like four mm -hmm. o'clock maybe. Yeah, about four or something. And he says, um, Dr. Stetzer comes back in. And he's like, All right, I think we need to take this to the next gear. So he says he wants to break my water. Which is that transition, that gear shift. Yeah, that gear shift. So I said, all right, just give me a minute. Like, I wanted Jody to be there before that happened or when that happened because I knew that's when it was going to shift into intense. And I wanted more support, um, not only for myself, but for John, too. So I called her and I asked, can you please come, like, don't rush, but, you know, eat something and come on over. So she got to the hospital, and then I think it was, like, 5 o'clock. Yeah, yeah like 5 o'clock that he broke my water, and I'm still at 5 centimeters. No, 4 and a half. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> 5 centimeters at this point. And I – basically, it was painless to get to 5. I mean, the, the contractions were intense, but, like, I was standing up. Well, Still having a conversation with anesthesia and the Foley and was in. For, for the sake of saying it, like the joke that we've mentioned there twice about the four and a half versus five is simply the fact that any midwife will tell you, you cannot tell the difference in a half of a centimeter. A centimeter. So someone calling out half centimeter is that person either not knowing or just wishful thinking that it's five. Right? Yeah. You're making progress really a four, but you're close to that five. You're five and a half or four and a half, I mean. Anyway, so yeah. continue. So he comes in and he breaks my water, which was an interesting sensation. And I, knowing how high my baby was, and knowing Dr. Stetzer had this all under control, but knowing how baby my how high my baby's head was, I was like, oh gosh, I hope the the cord isn't gonna slip in front of the baby's head. We're gonna have a head or a cord prolapse, and of course that didn't happen. He was very um, he, he, cautious yeah. in the way he did it, and um, he waited for the baby's head to come down a little bit, and then the. I will say, like, I was telling John this the other day, the water coming out in that way, because I had high fluid levels, was kind of gross. Like, it was... Draining? It was draining. <laughs> Sorry. 
great. It was, it I was guess draining. I am a dad. Those dad jokes coming in. It was in. just such an... <laughs> it was such an odd sensation. So Dr. Stetzer looks at me and he's like, you have about 45 minutes until this is going to get intense. If you haven't eaten anything, I suggest you eat something now. And that was, oh, right before he broke my water is when I told him I was scared. And that's when he said, I don't understand of all people, you shouldn't be scared. And I said, well, I can't get an epidural if this gets too intense. And he said, oh, I, they told me that you were cleared this morning. I said, yep. They came in and did a physical examination and there's nothing they can do for me. And he said, okay, now your fear is legitimate. I understand that's totally valid. If you need it, I can put you on some Dilaudid, which is a narcotic. And I was like, okay, so that's, at least I have an option like to dull it. Something, But yeah. I really didn't want that. Of course, I didn't want Charles to get it. So I'm having contractions and I'm just like, copious amounts of fluid are coming with every contraction and it's just so gross. And then, and I'm sitting on the edge of the bed the end of the bed and they had the bed kind of like in this throne position and and I was eating I think you were spoon like giving me chicken salad or something at this point yep. chicken salad chip I think or something yeah like that. so I I was managing fine and then I think it was literally to to the minute I feel like 45 to 50 minutes it was mm-hmm. just like and that, gear shift that baby's head hit my cervix and it was game on and i remember jody she said something like it it went from okay to it was like your body was being thrashed around the room well what the crazy thing was that you had been on the highest level of pitocin now for 18 hours, 15 hours, something like that, with zero real sensation on your behalf, other than, you know, obviously a little bit, but nothing crazy. And now the floodgates have been opened and it's a freight train coming down and Mm -hmm. it's like, whoa. That's what she said. It hit you like a freight train. Yep. And they even turned the Pitocin off at a certain point and that didn't stop it. Oh, yeah. And I asked them to leave it off and she was like, no, we need to leave it on. And later in our postpartum visit, I asked Dr. Stetzer, if I was having contractions without it on, why did you have to turn it back on? He was like, oh, she didn't. Like, oh my gosh. So my body could have done it on its own, but they had So you went from five centimeters to fully dilated. In five hours. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that... It was way faster than that. It was like two hours. It was? Yeah, because, well, we'll get into it, but Charles arrived in five hours. You weren't fully dilated within five hours. Charles was here within five hours. That's true. So so it got really, really intense. And I remember like the first really intense contraction, I smacked John in the chest. Oh man. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, I forgot about this. Oh gosh, this is this so, is wonderful. So I I smack him in the chest and 
I was like, I need the drugs. I need the drugs. I can't do this. I need the drugs. And so... So she's starting to feel for real contractions now, not and just And then the... I start puking. And it was just like... I, I literally... It was a freight train. It was a nightmare. It was awful. And so... And I'm throwing up. I'm having the worst contractions ever that were so intense. And... Um, what were you going to say? I would say Pitocin contractions, from what I've actually learned, was that Pitocin contractions are very, very different. They're spiky. So like normal labor, it slowly ramps up and in. Still, it's a pretty steep ramp, but it ramps in, and then it ramps out. With Pitocin, it, like, even on the charts, you could see it on the, on the monitor. It is almost a straight-up line from when you have a contraction it's no there's no warm-up into no, it it's just like you've got about th maybe five seconds maybe from completely no contraction to full contraction so and it's then just it just so stays intense. intense and then completely goes away mm -hmm. like there's no wave or build and yeah, release an at all switch. it is it it was intense and they were coming every 30 seconds mm -hmm. i didn't have a break for four hours they were every 30 seconds and so I think I managed like the first hour of it without anything and then they started like a really mild dose of Dilaudid and that was on a patient controlled analgesic pump which has a button you can push when it's um, time to release yep. another dose it and the button up. was green it was when you could have another dose and so I'd have a contraction, I'd be like, green button, green button, green button. <laughs> Somebody push the green button. So John was in control of the green button. He's like, all right, don't worry. Like, I got the green button, girl. I got it, and I'm, <laughs> I also know I'm not trying to give too much. So, like, a lot of times if it would turn on, even though you were saying green button, I would kind of hold off a little bit. Yeah. But if, obviously, I had to judge by your situation. So... But. So I'm having these contractions, and so there was two kind of funny moments, and I'm still in my throne position at this point, and I look at Jody and I say, I am such a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and Jody's kind of like, what in the world? Why, why do you think that, Julia? And I say, because I ask women to move when they are in labor. Because <laughs> in my mind, I'm thinking, I, I, I could not fathom if somebody asked me, because I'll ask people like, why don't we try a runner's lunge? Or why don't we move to the toilet? Or let's try a squat. You know, like, let's do these different things. And if somebody had asked me to do any of that at that moment... I probably would have strangled them. And that's when Jody reminded you that Pitocin is a hell of a drug. It's very different. Right. But, yes, that was funny. So I want to change positions. I'm like, hey, guys, I think I want to try to get on all fours. So I go on all fours, and that was a no-go for me. Mm -hmm. So I went straight down to laying on my right side. And that I could. That was like my manageable, manageable position. I, I was digging it on my side. And I liked the counter pressure that John would give me on my lower back. And I don't think that it alleviated the contractions as much as it gave me this really 
intense feeling of security, like the pressure of his hand and just knowing that he was physically there. Because at this point I'm in labor land and I can't really see a whole lot. I'm like, I don't really know who's in the room. I just knew that I needed to know that his physical touch, that he was there. Mm -hmm. And that was what was getting me through every contraction. And so I remember like at one point I tried screaming cause I was like, maybe if I like get loud and holler or something, this is going to get better. And so I tried screaming at one point and I was like, Oh gosh, that made the contraction feel so much worse. And so I really was like blowing very intensely through yeah. every contraction. I just blew and blew and blew. Of course, I'm over here coaching you through it. Don't forget, breathe, breathe. Yeah. And not only breathe, but the right kind of breathing, which you, like a lot of times open. you learn in, in birth class, which is literally keeping your mouth open, almost in like an O position versus a he, he, he type of breathing that is very tight and, and closed versus a ha, ha, ha sound which oh, is so actually I did literally ha, 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 a lot didn't oh, i yes you did and and you also <laughs> continued to repeat my words open open <laughs> it's like wishful thinking open open and, i don't uh, even remember saying and it. then up to one of the more funny times for me was you, one of these contractions hit you oh. so hard so hard and, and you I did really not want to be cursing and being an obnoxious i didn't want to cuss during labor it was like something i mean every once in a while i let bad words fly but i did not want to cuss in labor it's like i didn't want my child to come in in that environment and so yeah. i i have the world i mean this one was just like out of this world and i at the same time i remember quite a few times i would like self-talk i'd be like julia open julia you know i'd like say my own name and so this time i was like julia god bless america <laughs> I really wanted about, to say God GD. I just about died. It was so funny. And he's pumping his fist going, that's my patriotic woman. Yes. <laughs> oh, that was so funny. So that was probably transition, honestly, yep. mm -hmm. because then his heart rate started going down, which was probably his head getting compressed in the birth canal. And they had me flip onto my left side, and I was like, are you kidding me? I have to move. At this and point, they, I'm doing some counter pressure on, on your bottom with some warm cloths. Right. So I kept saying, like, I need the warm cloth on my bottom. I need my perineum. Like, I need somebody to hold a washcloth. And, and John, in birth class, when we were first pregnant, like, he made such a point to say, I am not catching this baby that's why we hire a doctor or a midwife i'm not catching this baby in birth class uh our teacher had each couple deliver a baby and he begrudgingly did it his facial expressions showed it all <laughs> and so all I and and you even said you weren't going to do counter pressure for me. That that you're right. Else could I, do that. I was very obstinate. I, did, I was like, nope, I'm nope, good. Not nope. doing that. Mm -mm. It's not my thing. It's why we hired somebody. Mm -hmm. So he gets the washcloth. And I'll be a cheerleader in the corner of the room. I'm there for you. <laughs> right. So he's you got doing this <laughs> counter pressure. So you can tell this part of the story. So yeah. Um, so Julia had just rolled onto her left side. 
and she was having these contractions and I went ahead and I had a warm cloth and had it on, on her bottom and through these contractions I didn't know exactly what was going on because I didn't know what was going on I was still like aloof not really figuring this out and all of a sudden like I kind of like peeked underneath the cloth you said you felt like bulging well I felt something I don't know what it was <laughs> I was like I was like I don't know maybe maybe she really had to go potty I don't know what's going on here like and uh, I, I looked down and I just I will never forget I looked down and I was just like hmm that is not vagina hair <laughs> And I, I kind of like quietly almost like told the nurse right next to me, I was like, uh, that, is, uh, that, is that a baby? Is that a baby head? And all of a sudden, oh my gosh, the room exploded. The, the nurse was like, oh my gosh, get the doctor, he's crowning. And the whole room went from already fairly intense because Julia's having these intense contractions and really moving along to like, I think... And this is not an exaggeration. I think over 30 people rushed into this room. And partial, the part of the reason was I had magnesium. And whenever anyone has magnesium during labor, the whole NICU team has to be there for the birth. Because a lot of times those babies come out floppy and not wanting to breathe on their own. So during this, this is amazing, truthfully. But like 30 people come in. There's a NICU team, students residents the doctor finally shows up meanwhile julia i she just about sits up in her seat and is, is so fed up with the fact she and and what is it that you said you said you I yelled said, at the top of your lungs this is not an emergency i want a peaceful environment if you are a student or a resident get out of my room and all the students kind of like stopped and Dr. Stetzer had come in the room, and Dr. Stetzer, because Julie probably had her eyes closed, but she couldn't really see Dr. Stetzer say, he just said, he gave the wave to get out. And um, and then he pushed the NICU team all the way to the back of the room. All the way to the corner. Yep, mm -hmm. all the way out of the way. And, yeah, that was, that was incredible to experience. And we have a video, which showed this, too. Like, one of these days, we'll have to put a, a sound snippet in here and... And, and maybe if we'll do another podcast with that kind of stuff. But it, it was it was so interesting. I mean, Julia's voice was just so raspy from going through this process. But she had, and the Dilaudid too, so she had, had had enough of that that she was fairly high. But, like, she had the wherewithal to say, get out. Mm -hmm. This is not an emergency, which birthing isn't an emergency. You know, and and it went from 30 down to like maybe 15 or 14, but still, it at least went quiet. And, and she finally, Julia said, you know, I need, I need peace. Mm -hmm. Be quiet. Mm -hmm. You know, and and so oof. the nurse this whole time is wiggling the monitor to try to get the baby's heartbeat on the monitor, and it's not working. And my body switches into fetal ejection reflex and oh, yeah that was very interesting to see it was so wild in my body because i wanted to very slowly breathe my baby out mm -hmm. and there was nothing i could do to stop the force of this child coming through the birth canal and i did breathe him out but it felt just it was an awesome sensation. I liked second stage of labor a lot, 
And I remember afterwards when he came out, well, I was that, like, we're not there yet. Okay. So uh, anyway, so at this point, Dr. Stetzer is at the back with me, who is now essentially holding this child's head as you're having your contractions. And Dr. Stetzer like, you said, you, you need to lift your leg. Because like, like, no. Julia was basically clamping down, saying, "Ah, I don't want, I don't." And she didn't say this, but essentially she didn't want down. it out. I just, my leg was just dead weight there. Mm -hmm. and I so wasn't Dr. like Stetzer, squeezing my legs together. Well, I, I, I didn't know what you were doing. I was kind of just uh, in shock myself. <laughs> but um, like, I was like, "Oh, baby." Anyway, and so Dr. Stetzer gently lifts your leg and checks where the the baby's coming through the canal. And uh, Julia's in your next contraction. And I felt him and I was like, get out. Yep. I and felt well, his fingers and he was like, that's your baby. I'm like, BS. And he was just helping you make sure things aren't he was tearing. probably checking for a cord around the neck. Maybe. But, um, but then, like, the next contraction, Charles' head kind of is pretty much out now. And so the next step is the shoulders. And so Dr. Stetzer. I mean, what am I supposed to do? I'm standing right there. He's like, make yourself used to useful, kid. Hold this for real quick. And I was like, what? He's like, hold this. And he's like, gave me the head to hold in my right hand. And I was like, uh, because Julia's facing left and I'm behind her. My right hand is at her bottom. My left hand is at the middle of her back. And he says, just hold this real quick. And I was like, okay. So I kind of like, because I didn't want it to flop around or whatever. And I held it. And next thing, Julia had a contraction and whoop baby in my hands i was like ah! okay and i just thought in this moment this is this is for me one of the most intense interesting situations because it probably was all of like three seconds but to me there was a lot of like okay because it was just once the head was out and then the shoulders after the shoulders baby is out there's nothing left it's just whoop, right in my hands and my left hand was under his butt my right hand was on his head and i was just in this moment, I paused. I was like, uh, baby, baby. And then I had this moment of like, what, what do I, what do I do? <laughs> what do I do with it? And then I was like, oh, wait. Oh, it is. It's a boy. Okay. I, 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 I'm, uh, I'm supposed to say that it's a boy because nobody knows it's a boy. And his name. Uh, and and ha handed. Okay. Okay. There's a cord. Okay. I, I, all right. Whew. <clears throat> it's a boy. Uh, it's a it's a boy. Char uh, we're gonna name him Charles Kenneth. Uh, uh, here you go, Julia. And I'm like handing this baby up over and, and like forgetting that there's a umbilical cord and like Julia's like you know grabbing the baby. And I was just in this moment again, three seconds maybe, but like all of this craziness that went through my head of like holy smokes. That that's a that's a baby. It's a boy, and give it to mom. Oh, by the way, his name is, and uh, that was the crazy sensation because again, like Julia mentioned, I had zero intention of catching that child. And zero. You did such a good job. I didn't drop him. Okay, guys, I didn't drop him. That's the most important thing. I didn't drop him. But that being said. Charles was a little low on his color, and he was not he particularly had, strong with his cry. He did cry. He did cry. But it he was not very He had poor much. muscle tone. He had poor color and basically no respiratory effort. Yeah. I actually don't know what his APGAR, scar, APGAR score was. 
but if I had to guess, he got two off for color, two off for tone, two off for respiratory color. I mean, he probably... He was pretty, pretty... He needed some help. And, yeah. But I handed him to you because that was the most important thing, skin to skin with mom right away. Mm-hmm. And it was hard because the NICU team has their protocols and they wanted that baby and they wanted that baby right now and they were basically grabbing at the baby well julia who instantaneously has sobered up through this process has taken the baby skin to skin and is talking with him and and the nurse is trying to stimulate him and i pushed her off and i said get off my baby i know what i'm doing and i will say dr stetzer pushed her back basically well that was what i was going to say is that dr stetzer really this is really the the most amazing for me to have witnessed was Dr. Stetzer had such a commanding position in that practice and in that room that when Julia said something and Dr. Stetzer allowed that statement to be said and didn't didn't override your statement that that NICU nurse literally just stood there for a second because Dr. Stetzer put his hand aside and said, didn't say it out loud, but said, you know, quite clearly, wait, and allowed you to do what you know to stimulate the situation and get things moving. And you knew you had only about a minute's worth of time before it was going to get to need help. And Charles wasn't really responding. He wasn't responding, and I was stimulating him as best I could. I think if I was truly sober, like if I had had no drugs and I hadn't just gone through a really intense labor, that I could have potentially done the mouth-to-mouth positive pressure ventilation myself. Um, but I was in no state to do that, mm-hmm. and his cord was tight. It was, it was up over my leg instead mm-hmm. of in between my legs, and he was so gray and so floppy and just not making effort and so i knew after about a minute he needed help you said okay he he needs he needs a little bit more help than i can give him you know and um and that's when i'm over here like in zone like not really recognizing maybe some of how tentative the situation was because i had never seen a baby born before i was like oh it's a baby it's 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 a baby right it's what it's supposed to look like right i mean i don't know and dr stetzer goes and hands me scissors and he's like hey go ahead and cut this for me i was like uh oh uh yeah snip snip cut it and baby's whisked off to the corner of the room and nikki begins to start resuscitation and uh they did. Uh, the, he pretty quickly responded, and mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. So Doctor Stetzer did milk the cord. Uh, no, Doctor Stetzer did not milk the cord. The Nick, the NICU nurses did, over in the corner of the room. No, because he was already detached from the placenta at that point. Okay. So he, um, I've, I thought Jody told me that. At some point, the doctor said to milk the cord. Regardless, it was not delayed cord clamping. And the placenta came right after, so it. I'm not too concerned about it. But obviously, it's not what I wanted. And that, I will say, like, having seen so many women go through birth, it was just so interesting to... Um, to have 
felt that sensation myself of yeah. like his head coming through and then um the shoulders so like i had always told women it feels like a bowling ball coming through your butt and i remember i kept saying like i'm pooping and you're like no you're not and i just I guess I'm thankful for the castor oil in that regard because I didn't have to deal with a bowel movement during labor because I had already cleared out my intestines from taking the castor oil. <laughs> so that might have been the only saving grace of that. Um, but just that, like, it really feels like everything's coming through your bottom. Not your vagina. It feels like it's coming through your bottom. And this head mm. just... As soon as the head and the shoulders are out, the rest of it is so squishy and skinny and it gets skinnier. It feels skinnier as it's coming out. It is, yeah. And it was such an awesome sensation. As soon as it was over, I was like, oh, it's over? Like, no, I want to feel it again. (laughs) (laughs) And so it was such an interesting place to be because you're like, literally in between two worlds of you were pregnant and now you're not. And it was just so such an, an overwhelming all encompassing moment of just a different reality. Um, so like John said, Charles did need help and he was taken over to the warmer. Yep. Um, so they could do positive pressure ventilation on him to get him breathing. And and I stayed over there with them and kind of watched and was a little curious, too, and was asking questions, not to challenge anyone, but just to, I didn't know, please mm-hmm. tell me. And I, they were talking about what the process was there, and they were giving him the things he needed to to come back around. And it was evident that he was slow, but he was. and He pinked up. He was crying. He was making respiratory effort on his own. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a lot of interventions that follow from this point that um, I think because we've talked for over an hour now, we'll leave for the next episode. But the interventions with Charles, unfortunately, did not stop there and became quite dramatic. And, and, and traumatic on our Traumatic behalf. to us and... Hopefully not too traumatic to our son, and we've talked to him about it, even though he's a tiny baby. Um, Shortly after we brought him home, we talked to him about what happened, and I explained to him how mommy felt about it. And anyway, we we can that we love him, and that's where we are. So I think that I think it's probably a fairly good. I mean, of course, you as the listeners want to continue with the story and hear all the rest. Um, but I guess we're going to have to leave that to the next time. Hopefully you'll join us again to go through the whole process of... The NICU experience. NICU and, and trying to leave the hospital, which... We were being held captive as prisoners. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the, the things that... that the things I had to do, the things I had to say and... and the positions we were in that got really quite tentative. In fact, there was one point where the police almost were called on me. But not to leave a cliffhanger here, <laughs> but we're going to have to let you guys go. <laughs> so, everyone, thanks for tuning in to listen to the home birth experience. 
We appreciate you supporting us. Please rate and review us. Email me with any questions, julia at clevelandhomebirth.com. And we hope you all have a great two weeks and we'll be back with more soon. Till next time, bye-bye.